this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. Good evening. Good, you're there. I thought there was like a mirage or something happening here. It's like I see people, but I don't hear them. I'm so glad to be here tonight. Um, tonight, This has been a rough week for me. Most of you, or maybe not most of you, a lot of you know that I'm not feeling well. And so I've had my team helping me out today. I'm going to put these up here because I'm going to need them. Just put that right over there. And um, so um, hopefully my voice is going to hold up. I'm struggling with some bronchitis, but I'm not feverish. And so I'm going to, after the sermon, kind of disappear the way I was not here in the beginning. I'm just going to kind of show up because I really felt like God wanted me to preach tonight. I don't think it was a prideful thing, um, but I do know that I needed to be here with you tonight. Uh, When you're sick, you're isolated, usually. One of the things I noticed last night was, it's like, I really miss, I'm not able to like hug my wife and kids and I'm not able to be around people, and I feel just kind of isolated, and, and it feels good to be here uh, with you to worship the Lord together. So I want us to continue uh, to look in the book of Hebrews as we continue our journey. Hebrews chapter 2, if you want to turn your Bibles there, find your spot, <clears throat> we will continue our trek. Tonight we're talking about Jesus determines our destiny. Jesus determines our destiny. To help us get on the right track for where we're going tonight, I'm going to say some statements, and I want you, if you agree, to respond verbally, amen. Can you do that? All right, good. She can. Here we go. The Bible tells us that Jesus is victorious. I believe that Jesus is victorious. The Bible tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, communicating his absolute victory. I believe that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in absolute victory. The Bible says that because of the work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection, I have full access to all that he is. So therefore, 
I am victorious. Do we really live that way? I don't really feel victorious when I'm sick. I don't feel victorious when uh, circumstances are, are negative in my life or trials that I go through. And many times we can say we're victorious, but we don't really feel victorious. So what do we do in those situations where that's true? Tonight we're looking at chapter 2, verses 5 through 9 that was just read for us. Last week we had a word of encouragement that said, don't turn away from the salvation of Jesus because it is the only salvation. But don't turn away from it even when it gets hard. And this week we have a word of encouragement. A word of encouragement that will hopefully leave us um, encouraged tonight, but will empower us to, to fight through those times when we don't feel victorious. But that we will know we are so that eventually our feelings can catch up with the truth. There are three truths tonight about God's destiny that he has for our lives, and I want us to start with number one. You can follow along on your worship folder outline. It should be in your uh, worship folder if you have that. It should be an outline for the sermon, and there'll be uh, actually four truths, four, four of them tonight. And so uh, the first one starts with this. Our destiny revealed. Our destiny revealed. So when we're speaking of our destiny. This is talking about the revelation of it. It is revealed to us. Our destiny started off really high. It was, it was a wonderful destiny that God had for us, and we were positionally just under God. We were in dominion. We were in power over the world. Positionally, we had authority over the world in, in full, except for God having authority over us. So look with me in Genesis chapter 1. It'll be on the screen behind me if you don't have time to get to it. But it's verses 26 through 28, and we'll see where the beginning, when God gave uh, mankind authority. It says, and then God said, in verse 26, then God said, let us make man. The word man here means mankind. It's a generic use of the word. Uh, It's where the word uh, uh, human or mankind is, is from. Eventually it became Adam because the words transitioned, but this is mankind. Let us make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Isn't that a wonderful reminder of of the elevated view of humanity that God has? That he created us for this beautiful, magnificent purpose of reigning in authority over his entire earth. Our position was that we were higher than angels. We were God's prized creation. We were made to live forever. What we see around us isn't the way it was originally created. Now looking in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 6, we can see where this is, this is brought up. In verse 5, it says, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come. 
of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man, that you are mindful of him, or the son of man, that you care for him. So the, the world to come here, when the Hebrews author is talking about here, the world to come is the, the recreation, the, the new heaven, the new earth, when, it's, uh, when God refashions it. And he's saying this, this world that is to come is not going to be subjected to angels. Remember chapter 1, we talked about uh, angels, that Jesus is superior to them. And so this writer is tracking along, and he's, again, he's still pointing out the fact that, listen, guys, the angels are not what you should be seeking. You should be seeking Jesus. And by the way, God has a, a plan for your life that is higher than the angels. You ever heard someone, maybe you've said this, you don't have to verbalize this because I'm going to say it's wrong. So if someone ever passes away, which is going to happen, we'll get to that in point two. If someone passes away, we don't ever, we shouldn't ever say, God must have needed another angel in heaven. That's, that's terrible theology. Because we, we are created as humans and the image bearers of God in a different role. And so we're, we're not angels. We don't become angels. We, we are children of God. And so there's, there's, a, there's a different creative order that God has here. And it's very important for us to understand this because it's elevated. It's a higher destiny. And this new heaven and new earth is not subject to, to angels, but it's going to be subjected to the dominion, the authority, the power of humanity again. So this destiny revealed is that this is the way it was, and this is the way it's going to be again. The author, interestingly enough, is also quoting Psalm 8, where David is, is looking, and verse 7 is where it starts quoting verse, verse 8, and David is looking at the stars, and he's wondering, he's like, you, you know, you've seen the stars when you go outside the city, right? You don't have light pollution, you can see the stars really well, and so um, you, you go and you look, and he was looking up at the stars, and he was like, God, who am I that you would be mindful of me? Look how small and insignificant I am. The fact that you would create man and care for man and, and call man to rule over this creation caused David to marvel at the greatness of God. One of the beauties of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God uses us, but he doesn't have to. He chooses to. The first thing about understanding how Jesus determines our destiny is to understand how he reveals it to us. So that's number one. The second one is this. Our destiny is restricted. So it's revealed to us, but then there's this restriction. The fall of man happens. So if you keep reading in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, you have the creation and all the order of that. And then verse, chapter 3 is where you see the fall of man where Adam and Eve decide they don't want to live under God's authority. They would rather live by their own. And that is called the fall of man, where sin enters the world and death now enters the equation. There is a fracture of the relationship that we have with God. Instead of walking intimately with God in the garden and hearing his voice and enjoying the spectacular creation, we're now separated from him. And there, there's a chasm. It's not just like separated like, I hear you. It's this chasm that it cannot be crossed. We can't get to God 
because of that sin. And positionally, we change as well. So instead of being God and then humans and then angels, we're now under them. Positionally, we've changed to be under them. It's restricted. Back to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 to continue. It reads this. You made him for a little while lower than angels. And we'll just, well, I'll, I'll keep reading it, but that's basically where this comes from. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At, pre- at present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. So I'm glad I kept reading because I forgot that last part. It's really important too. So we, we don't see it in full happening where creation is under our dominion. But our, our restriction of our destiny has created a lot of issues for our world. And I, I, I would imagine we all know this, that, that our world is filled with issues and um, evil. <clears throat> the fact that our rebellion separated us from God also caused another schism, another issue to arise for us. And here's, here's what it is. We as humans have a false sense of sovereignty. We feel like we're the authority. That's the world around us. That's what it says. Just in our finite culture here in New York and America and what we know as the world, you know, it's very individualistic. Be who you want to be. Discover who you are. You're in control of you. Those type of things. But even more than that, worldwide, the heart issue is that we want to reign over us. And if we want to be honest, we want to reign over other people too. If you don't think you want to reign over other people, just take the subway and see how many people you don't want to control. So there's, there's this conflict within us that gives us this false sense of, I am in control. We remove God from the equation, and we have wars in our culture over marriage. We have wars over abortion, which is making news like crazy right now. We have wars over racism. And I just wonder how it must break the Lord's heart to see his beautiful creation, his crowning achievement of humanity, killing one another, slandering one another, murdering physically and murdering with their words. May God have mercy on us. God never intended for the world to look like it looks. The brokenness, the despair, the hurt, the disease. He never intended that. Our environment when it was originally created, God said, go and, and, and tend the soil and, and, and be fruitful and multiply. And the garden was, the, the way the 
environment was set up. It was set up to respond appropriately. You plant a seed, the seed grows, produce a harvest. There's no weeds, okay? It's all good. It's all, it's, what you plant is what you get. Nothing kills it. But as you understand our world today, we, we know that that's not how the world responds. We don't have that authority anymore. We don't have that dominion anymore. In fact, creation responds to us and our authority the way we responded to God and his authority is it rejects it and it fights against it. Our destiny is, is restricted. I mean, we've done some good things that human, humans have. Let's, you know, we've cured diseases. Put a man on the moon. Apparently, I wasn't there. Conspiracy theorist, there you go. Technology, we got some cool stuff with technology, right? We can fly all over the world. I can send a text message across the world instantaneously. Pretty cool stuff. But we've still never been able to solve our biggest problem. Death. Death scoffs at us. It mocks us. It takes our babies. It takes our teenagers. It takes our moms, our dads. Eventually, it takes all of us. Our destiny has been restricted because of sin and death. So what do we do? What do we do when it feels like defeat, but God is promising us victory? I muted the coughing for the podcasters and for you as well. There might be one or two more breaks like that, but we're going to get through this because I'm victorious. In the moments when you don't feel victorious, you need to think of the reality of the kingdom and the not yet of the kingdom. The reality is that we are victorious but there are parts of it that we're not yet. At the end of it, it said, at present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to man. So we don't see it all happening right now, but it is true. It is coming. coming. Which is verse, uh, point number three. So look with me there. Point number three. Our destiny is restored. Our destiny restored. This is where the good news starts to happen. Before the gospel can be good news, we have to endure the bad news that we are broken without remedy. But thankfully, God gives us remedy. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, we see this. <clears throat> but we see him who for a little while has made, was made lower than angels, namely Jesus. We see him crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. We don't fully see our restored destiny, but we do see Jesus. And we also see the received promise of the Holy Spirit. 
Summer, do you want to read a, a verse for me? Do you want to come up here? It's here for Summer. Come on. Let's have fun in church. You know what? I'm tired of stuffy church. I have stuffy nose. I don't need stuffy church too, right? Amen? Amen. I'm going to go over here and cough for a minute. <laughs> Take that. I'm going to drink this too. But if you just read Ephesians 1, chapter uh, 11 through 14, this red part right here, and take your time too because I'm going to cough for a few, couple <laughs> seconds. But read that good there. It's talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's what you're about to read. Okay. All right? All right, here, it's here for summer. Come on. In him, Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Sorry, I'm nervous. <laughs> no, I'm almost done. Oh, okay. All right, keep going. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation... And believed in him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Amen. I hope she doesn't hate me now. So the the point of that part is, I really need to take a break. But the point of that is the Holy Spirit. We have a wonderful thing. We don't just have the, the reality that Jesus died and rose again, but we have this guarantor, this guarantee, this inheritance that God has given, given us called the Holy Spirit living within us, the power of God in us. So eternal life is restored to us, relationship is restored to us, and guess what else is restored to us? Dominion. That God elevates us back to, the, to this position of authority and dominion over his creation. In the New Testament, there's a story where Jesus borrows the disciples' boat to preach out of it. Afterwards, he says, let's go fishing? No. He says, let's go catching. Because Jesus doesn't fish, he catches. Luke chapter 5, verse 4 is where we see this, and this is the quote from Jesus. It says, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. We're not going to try to catch something, Simon. We're going to catch. Why did it happen? Because Jesus commanded those fish to enter into those nets. He has dominion over creation. The disciples tell him that they fished all night and didn't catch anything. However, they listen, they do it, and their nets are filled to, it almost, uh, to a point where it almost sinks the boat. Another time, Peter denied um, the Lord three times, and, and Jesus told him, Peter, you're going to do this, and before the rooster crows in the morning, Peter denied him the third time, and right after he did, the rooster crowed. Why did that happen? Was that coincidence? No. It's because Jesus has dominion over creation. He has power over creation. Many other stories. So when we look at this, and we read verses two through, uh, 5 through 9. We don't need to look and say, oh, poor us. We have to battle the world, and we don't 
really know the fullness of our destiny yet. No, we don't, we don't do that. Instead, we remember who we are in Christ, who we are in Christ, and who we will be in Christ. Co-heirs who will one day have dominion over the world to come. What an encouragement. So it's not poor us at all, but it is praise Jesus because he provides a better destiny for us. The fourth one is the final point, and it is my destiny recognized. Recognized. This one has a lot to do with you. It has to do with what you're going to do with the good news of Jesus. It's determined by what you do with him. And so what do you need to do today? What's your next step of faith? Some of us who have a relationship with Christ need to quit thinking we're defeated. Is that any of you that feel defeated? Tonight's the night for you to stop feeling that way, to stop thinking that way, to stop speaking that way. But you need to understand that you are victorious in Christ. We need to look to Jesus and set our minds on the things above. Because if we look at the things around us, I don't mean be unaware of what's going on in the world. Say, he didn't say that. Thank you. So I'm not saying be unaware. But I'm saying if, if you're looking to get your, your joy and fulfillment and your salvation in the things of the world, you're going to be woefully disappointed and miserable. Because even if you find it, it won't last forever. We need to look to Jesus and set our minds on the things above and recognize that Jesus has the better destiny for our lives. And part of doing this is putting our concepts of destiny to death and taking up our cross and following Jesus. You know, picking up our cross is a life of of sacrifice, a life of giving, a life of saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you even when it's difficult. I'm not going to follow you because it's convenient. Because all the people that followed Jesus because of his miracles, they didn't stick with him. They saw what he was doing, and they're like, this is fantastic! And he was crucified. They're like, eh, who's next? Picking up our cross and following him daily. So we're going to finish by doing this. I want you to be ready. You've got to vocally respond again, okay? I want you to respond by saying, instead of amen, I want you to say, thank you, Jesus. You want to practice? Here we go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I like somebody's excited about that. Here we go. Jesus has secured a great destiny for all his children. Jesus is better than money or any earthly treasure. A relationship with Jesus is better than any relationship on earth. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is better than anything we can ever imagine. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus has saved his children from destruction, and he gives them dominion. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus tasted death so we can taste our destiny of eternal life with him. Thank you, Jesus. Some of us need to realize that the brokenness of the world can easily cause us to be blind to the truth of 
who God is and who we are in Christ. And so tonight is your chance, your opportunity to believe with faith what God has promised you. To believe with faith that God has determined your destiny and it's a destiny filled of eternal life and dominion and glory and peace and joy and prosperity and love and kindness and wholeness. Jesus determines our destiny. So tonight, how will you respond? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your your presence here with us tonight. Lord, I certainly feel your presence here tonight, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the healing that you bring to our bones. Thank you for the, the joy that you bring to our hearts. Thank you for the light that you shine into the darkness. Thank you for calling us here tonight, for drawing us here and and, and reminding us of who we are in Christ. And Lord, I pray that our destiny would be would be filled with moments of us pursuing you. Lord, I, I just know for me that this week is, has been difficult in being isolated and not being able to, to do things that I need to and want to do. And it's really limited me. Even tonight, Lord, I feel weak. And I am not alone in feeling that way tonight. There are people here tonight who feel weak and there are certain areas of their lives where they feel hopeless. And Lord, that is not from you. Our bodies may be physically weak and there may be issues, real issues. There are real issues that we're going through. But Lord, we always have hope because of you. We know that there is a great destiny for us tonight. So Lord, I I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us a breakthrough, that we would follow you forward, that we would desire to to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Lord, I just pray that you would bring glory to your name through your church. In Jesus' name, amen.